you had a tragedy and it changed the course of your life forever. Mm -hmm. What was it? Hey, Fletcher, Coach Freeze here. We're all very excited to have you come play ball at Lambeth. We'll see you in preseason. It's crazy, man. Scored their touchdown, had their concussion, didn't remember nothing. Yeah. Hey, Fletcher! September 10th, as I mentioned, a lady was texting and driving and ran my roommate and I off the road. I was knocked out and became paralyzed immediately. There's so much that everyone takes for granted. And there are so many people in your position that are miserable. How do you stay so happy? It's how you respond to it. You know, we all have this plan that in our heads, all right, I'm going to go to high school, then I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to make a million dollars. But then God was like, hold on now, I got something for you. <laughs> You know, and that's when adversity comes. And for me, my adversity was becoming paralyzed. My whole identity at that time of my life yeah. was Fletcher, the football player. So it's like now that football's taken away from me, who am I? Think about everything we talked about. What helps you get out of a slump? I have some brothers with mental illness. My brother that has schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. He's taken care of by my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom does not going to outlive him. So then what? You're right those types of things, if I'm in a little funk about anything else, it doesn't matter. What's one question you wish I would have asked? One question I wish you would have asked? Oh, I know. Dating? Welcome to the Sacred Thomas Podcast. You still get nervous? <laughs> huh? You get nervous? Not with you. Oh, oh with Tia. Oh, with Tia, you got nervous, huh? Because you're the homie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Tia, I was nervous for sure. All right, I mean, I guess we're, we're live, we're recording. Hey, I'm sitting down with Fletcher Cleese here in Memphis, Tennessee. The Memphis, Tennessee, baby. Yeah, how you doing, bro? Man, I can't complain, can't complain. Glad you. Welcome to my city. I know we linked up a, a while ago, but it's your second time here, so welcome back, my man. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It's a great city. It's, uh, it's the, you said it's a smaller Atlanta, right? That's what they call it. Like, <laughs> Memphis is our own particular city, but, you know, when people compare it, they say, Memphis is just a smaller Atlanta. I'm like, nah, nah, Memphis is not even part of Tennessee. Memphis, we are our own state, baby. We are oh, own. yeah? Yeah. Kind of like, like, oh, nah. like Texas is its own country? Exactly. My Something own. similar. Yeah. <laughs> Something similar, exactly. Cool, man, cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm sitting down with you, bro. It's, this is a long time coming. Mm -hmm. The audience may or may not know who you are. Mm -hmm. um, some people do, some people don't. But I, I want people to understand your story. Yeah. So back in 2009, mm -hmm. You had a tragedy, and it changed the course of your life forever. Mm -hmm. What was it? Yeah, man. Um, just going back to that day, September 10th, 2009, I was on a football scholarship. I had just graduated high school that previous May. So being newly out of high school at 18 years young, and all, think about all the things that you had learned or that you knew you were going to experience in college when they told you at high school graduation. Like high school graduation, you're going to... Uh, go to college and you're gonna uh, freshman orientation and spring break and all the things you get look forward to that you look forward to it was stripped away from me because on September 10th as I mentioned a lady was texting and driving and ran my roommate and I off the road which caused us to flip into an embankment and broke my neck in two places and I became I, I was knocked out, I was knocked out and uh, became paralyzed immediately and it was just a, a change the course of my life completely going from a collegiate athlete to now all of a sudden paralyzed and not having function of majority of my body. Damn. How, 
So someone was texting and driving, mm -hmm. and they ran you off the road? Yeah, yeah. So we were on the way to Buffalo. We were coming back from Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay. It was the first NFL game of the season, um, and she wasn't paying attention. She was looking at a device. She was, like, looking down. You know how people text and kind of look down? How do you know she was looking down? Did you see her? Yeah, yeah. So she, when she was coming, it was, like, dusk, so I could see her. It wasn't all the way nighttime, so, like, you see somebody like driving, it's like, dang, they're not paying attention. Cause I was talking to my roommate at the time. I was like, yeah, you know, his name is Dane. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Dane, we're just getting excited for our upcoming game against Georgia State. And uh, just looking, focus on the road, she's not paying attention. The road is curving and she's keeping straight. She's kind of drifting towards oncoming traffic. And I just swerved to miss her. And once I swerved, we spent the spin out of control. I just overcorrected. We spun out of control and I hit a guardrail and the car landed upside down and carried the roof in two places. It tore, it tore the roof in two places? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it broke my neck in two places. It caved. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, when the roof caved in, it broke my neck in two places, yeah. Jesus, and what, what happened to your friend? Dane, so the, when, as the car was tumbling, he was partially ejected from the vehicle, uh -huh. so the car landed on top of his arm, and uh, that happened. It kind of just messed up his arm pretty bad, but he's able to still use his arm to this day. Oh, wow. And I, partially, I think a lot of the, a lot of the um, issues, so to speak, happened because in high school, I had a 1988 Suzuki Samurai, right? Okay. No power steering. So I kind of got used to driving from 15 to 18, but no power steering. So, I, you know, you had to turn it really hard. Mm -hmm. And then in high school graduation, I ended up getting a 1999 Honda uh, Accord. So it had power steering. So I guess my, my instinct kicked in. Like when I swerved to miss her, I just jerked it way too hard. Uh, and I spun out of control, you know. What happened to her? She never stopped, man. She never stopped. So they never found her. They never got in contact with her. I don't even know who. I remember, like, if I close my eyes, I remember exactly what she looks like. But I can't, I, you know, if she was like to walk past me, I'd be like, there she is right there. You know what I'm saying? But they never found her. They never was able to locate uh, that person. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. After you got into that accident, how was the rehabilitation process? It was tough for sure. Like, Athletes, we have been trained to condition our bodies to the maximum level of strenuous, limit, no limits, you know, all this yeah. stuff, right? So I took that same mentality mm -hmm. when going to rehab. So going to rehab, I was like, hey, man, I know that this is going to be a tough situation. This is going to be a tough journey, but I refuse to give up and I refuse to let this wheelchair, this situation defeat me, so to speak. So it was hard um, physically, of course, mentally. It was extremely uh, rigorous, and I just chose to overcome adversity and continue to live my life. Can you walk me through what you actually did to rehabilitate? So I know you, you said you're paralyzed. So what, what mm -hmm. can, you, can you do? What can you not do? What do you have to learn how to do? When thinking about, well, I know, let me start talking for myself. When I was talking about paralysis or I was learned that I was paralyzed, the first thing you think of is that like you can't walk, right? Yeah. And you think of either your neck down or waist down, but there's so many in between. Like mm -hmm. you can be neck down, breastplate down, belly button down, waist down so on and so forth. So when they told me I was paralyzed, I was like, yeah, I can't walk. And they was like, no, you know, what else that means? I was like, no. And then I remember my therapist telling me, she says, raise your left hand. So I raised my left hand and then my left hand falls. And then she was like, without moving your shoulder, take your hand off your head. And I was like, I can't move my, I can't. She's like, yeah, I know your triceps don't work. So it was like, when I raised my hand, yeah, your triceps. So like at some point, if I raise my hand, your triceps are supposed to kick in uh -huh. to keep your hand up and mine don't. So I can't stop my it hand just from falling. Falls. It just falls, yeah. Because my triceps don't work. Wow. I know, it's just stuff like that. Or just speaking and being able to yield, not having control of my abs or my trunk. 
So if you see me, I kind of do a lot of moving. It's kind of like to just catch my breath uh, because I don't have the abdominal muscles to construct my diaphragm to talk long-winded or say, you know, yell as loud as I can. Oh, so you have to move around. It is more comfortable. I don't necessarily have to. It just makes it more comfortable. Okay. So it's like a reset. Let's go back to the rehabilitation process. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So is that are you in physical therapy? Are they Man, Shepherd Center, first off, shout out to the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I, I, the number one spinal cord rehabilitation center in the country. When they bring you in, they bring you in. Like they it's a orientation process. And then therapy is literally from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. So it might, your schedule might look something like uh, 9 to 10, you got PT. Uh, 10 to 11, you got OT. 11 to 12, you got lunch. 12 to 1, you got pool. Uh, 1 to 2, you got uh, free weights. 2 to 3, you have uh, writing classes, you know, teach you how to manipulate your hands to like mm -hmm. write or, you know, some type of anything like that. You might be playing games, but it's all therapy. So they mm -hmm. say, hey, we're going to play a game today, connect four. And you're like, all right, pick up the pieces, Fletcher. And you're not realizing it, but picking up those pieces, you're inadvertently doing therapy. So they mm -hmm. try to disguise it, you know, make it a game. Mm -hmm. And then four to five might be standing frame, you know, where they kind of get you in a standing frame and stand your body right up because your body's made to stand vertically, right? Mm -hmm. So sitting down all the time, you might get uh, atrophy, uh, bone density, you might lose bone density, mm -hmm. and your blood pressure and stuff. It's like your body's just made to stand. So they try to get you up one hour a day minimum to try to regulate that and keep you healthy. So that, that might be an example schedule. And every day, doing that every day, nine to five, newly injured, mm -hmm. you're just super tired, man. It's like, yeah. like dang, I'm like tired. I'm sleep. Why am I so sleepy? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I so sleepy? So, so you're, you're actually able to work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not as much as football working out or yeah. certain things. Like I can't bench press, but one thing I do have, my shoulders are pretty strong, my deltoids. So yeah. it's like I'm able to do like arm circles or weights or back rows or yeah. I have strong, my back is pretty strong. Okay. So stuff like that. So whatever is work, I try to work it out to its full potential. But also thinking that <clears throat> it's in your wheelchair is work within itself, man. It's like just doing this all day. But that causes shoulder issues because your shoulders aren't made to propel your body every right. day, all day, right? But your shoulder's like, hey, bro, what are you doing? That's your, that's their legs, that's your legs job. Like, why are you continuously working us so hard? And just stuff like that you never think about when, when you become paralyzed. Yeah, actually, one of the things that I, I preach so much when, uh, so I have a pretty steady mood. Mm -hmm. And when I get down, I don't stay down long because I, I always think about, there is always someone out there who is less fortunate than you and still living the fuck out of their life. Yeah. And you're, you're one of the people that comes to mind a lot as, ever yeah. since I even met you. What, for people who don't know, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you go through with you know, be, not, be, being partially paralyzed? Mm. Biggest challenges day-to-day? -day yeah, just, day, just give me day-to-day. -day. So give me day-to-day things that people might take for granted, and then give me some challenges that you come across while you're traveling. Okay, day-to-day, -to -day, two come off the top of my head immediately. Number one, never take for granted how blessed you are or how simple of a life pleasure it is to just leave the house and come back in the same condition you left in. So like a lot of people leave their home, go to work, but they never come back in the same condition they left in. Like for me, and since I left the dorm one way, came back a different way. 
or I mean, I, I, I had never been back to that dorm, but you get what I'm saying? Like I left the dorm able to walk and inadvertently that was the last time I'll ever walk again, so to speak, you know? Mm. Or some people, God forbid, I'm glad I made it, but some people leave the house and they, you know, they never make it anywhere else, you know? Yeah. They end up dying. Every day's a blessing. Every day's a blessing, man. And secondly, uh, having your independence, like not having to rely on somebody for simple things is such one of the huge things I miss the most, man. It's like, I was so able to move and groove on my own and be independent. But like, let's say you hit me up, hey Flesh, let's do lunch tomorrow at noon. I'm like, all right, bet. So I'm like, I tell my CNA, hey, uh, I got somewhere to be at noon, so show up at nine, you know, shower, get dressed, and boom, give me a little extra leeway time. So, so one of the things is showering. Not necessarily just depending on somebody to get out of bed. Like, so I can get out of bed and get myself dressed, but like to feel uh, appropriate or feel presentable. I want to, you know what I'm saying? I still work yeah. alone. I want to, you know, get bit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to get fresh and whatnot. So I can like, if it's an emergency, I can get out my bed and get in my chair, mm-hmm. throw some basketball shorts on and be out. Mm-hmm. But I can't go to brunch like that. I want to like go to brunch yeah. like that. And my friends, sometimes they can tell, it's like, I'll just throw a hoodie on or some, or some shorts. And my friends will be like, Fletch, you must have got yourself dressed today. He's like, how can you tell? <laughs> like, look at your shirt, man. Your shirt crooked and all your stuff. You know what I'm saying? So just being able to not rely on somebody for something as simple as getting prepared for the day. Yeah. Because if she's late, and now I'm like, damn, let's take her on be late. Well, Fletch, I had somewhere to be at 2. I thought it was going to be at lunch at 12. Well, yeah, I know, bro, but my nurse CNA was late, and now it made me late for you. And now, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Something simple as just being able to independently move throughout your day. Like, uh, I want to uh, change clothes today, you know? Or are we going out? All right, bet. Let me change into another suit, you know? But for me, it's like, are we going out? Let me call my CNA so she can come help me change into another suit, you know? Yeah. Something like that, man. It's what I miss the most is probably independence. Yeah, so so some things you you really just can't do yourself and you have to rely on someone else. And if they're busy, then... Yeah, or tough. or if they're late, you know, I mean, life happens. She yeah. might get a flat tire, or you know, they have yeah. their own lives. She gets sick. She got kids. You know, things of that nature. Like nobody's life revolves around one other person. Right. So as much as she may be getting paid, her life doesn't revolve around me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, Mr. Cleves, I'm a help, but uh, you know, I got my daughter has a recital today or right. whatever, right? Absolutely. Do I just got to base my skills around that? Okay, so so. Needing just regular things. So t- tell me some other things. Day to day, those are the top two. Is just leaving the house, the same dish you came back in. I mean, coming back, the same dish you left. Not relying on anybody for your independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is kind of just trial and error, day to day, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very um, analytical. I like to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. So everything is a problem to me, and, and I'm a, I love to be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I want to cook a, a chicken dinner. All right, how am I going to lay this out schematically? All right, you got to get the chicken. How are you going to get the chicken, Fletch? You're going to get up there. You're going to roll to the refrigerator, put it in your lap, wash it off. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So everything's like a, a algorithm, a step-by-step thing to go over. And I take that mentality and I just use it to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. Just figure stuff out. But when it comes to traveling, I know you asked about that too, and that's what a lot of people see me on social media doing all these travels and whatnot. Uh, travel... The world is based for the majority, and the majority of people can walk. Yeah. So as a minority, the world is not designed for you. 
So you have to navigate certain situations. Like you realize, like we was in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner, he, you know, Kiwi threw me off the cenote mm-hmm. because they don't have ramps for, it's not made for, cenotes aren't made for people in wheelchairs or people who can't walk. You have to be able to climb stairs. But having that mentality that I won't be defeated yeah. allowed me to do all those things that I've ever wanted to accomplish. Well, most people in a wheelchair wouldn't want to go all the way up there and get thrown off or even dry, yeah. ride off. You know, that's... Come on, baby. I ain't most people, man. I ain't most people. We gonna get busy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We gonna get busy. Yeah, and you know, it's... Bro, when I met you, we, what we met, was it 2020, 2021? Yep. No, 2020. It was my 30th, 2020. December 2020. 30, 30. Yeah. 30, 30. <laughs> like, hey, no, bro. you said dirty, 30. Uh, we, ain't, we, we, we ain't doing dirty, it's filthy. We or something. filthy. <laughs> yeah, we ain't dirty, baby, we filthy. <laughs> and that's what the mentality is of my support system, man. It's just always, if we want to do it, we're going to figure it out, we're going to get this shit done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, so what I was going to say is one of the things that, I, and I think most people are like this, I have never been around someone like you mm-hmm. who, who's, who has, who's paralyzed. So the fact that I had a chance to film you for, I think, was it a week? Or? Yeah, it might be like four or five days. Four or five like days. Man, just, just from the start of the morning when you had to have someone come in and help you shower. I'm filming yeah. this and I'm like, damn, I could just get up and take a shower. Yeah. The fact that you, um, you know, just to grip things. like yep. It's Started, yep, small just, just, and then once we got onto the plane, just to even be able to sit down, you needed help. It's there's so there's so much that everyone takes for granted, and there are so many people in your position that are miserable. How do you stay so happy? Me? Yeah. Oh, I think you're saying in general. How do you stay oh. so happy? Oh. You know what I'm gonna tell you? I'm gonna say it's my support system, bro. It's for real. Like, if you were to hang out with me for three months, you would see all the things a lot of people sacrifice to make sure I'm successful mm-hmm. throughout the years, whether it was my parents when I lived with them being my full-time caregivers, right? My mom waking up at 5 in the morning to help me get ready for an 8 a.m. class, right? Mm-hmm. So my mom waking up at 5, and she has to be at work herself at 8. So my mom waking up at 5 a.m., she would get me dressed, uh, then after that, my dad would, as he was getting dressed, getting himself dressed, my mom had to be at work at eight. So my dad would take me to class because my mom would be at work early. My dad didn't have to be to work till like nine, nine thirty or something. Mm. So he would take me to class. I would do my class schedule or whatever. Let's say I'm done at twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. Then my mom would pick me up. She would transfer me into the dry, uh, passenger seat, break my chair down, put the wheels in the back seat, put my uh, wheelchair in the trunk, close that drive off, take me to my dad's job because they don't have an hour lunch break. So one person can't do everything. Mm. So she has to eat in the car. I'm not, I don't eat in the car. She, I think she ate at her desk. She ate at her desk. So um, then she would take me to my dad's job. Then on my dad's lunch break, he would take me out of my mom's car, put me in his car, then take me home mm. and then get me set up for the rest of the day. And then he would go back to work. And when you watch your parents, I mean, they weren't spring chickens at the time. You know, maybe... Uh, late 40s at the time, early mm. 50s. No, they're 55 now. So we're talking about, yeah, mid 40s at the time. So just watching my mom break my chair down every day and watching my dad having to pick me up every day 
And and they start you start to realize like man man I'm wearing my parents down, mm. and of course being raised by a two parent household they son we would you are our child we would do anything for you so don't think it's your burden, I'm like yeah I know but I'm watching y'all sacrifice so much for me how can I give up when you watch your parents and your family members and your close friends do all this stuff just to make sure that you feel a part of society, just to make sure my friends take me upstairs so I don't miss a party, my parents doing exactly what I said, my cousins uh, having cousins nights and take care of me up the stairs. When you have people around you that want to see you win, it makes it impossible to give up. I've always said my support system never allowed me to be disabled. So watching them do all that stuff, I was like, Fletch, come on, man. Like, you got to start driving. You got to move out. You got to take life by the balls. You got to do all this stuff because everybody has watched you or helped you make or make sure that you were successful. Like, you, giving up is not an option. Mm. When you work hard for something, giving up is not an option. Yeah. People give up all the time because they don't work hard for shit. It's easy to drop out of school when you're making all ifs. It's easy to quit the job when you're about to get fired. But when you work hard for something... Man, you'll never give up. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that you're pretty independent, bro. Yeah. I mean, you, you picked me up in your car. You drove yeah. us back. And, and the thing about you, bro, that I've noticed is sometimes, you know, I'll see you doing something like, hey, can I help you? No, I got it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, so is that the mentality you started to have with your parents, with, your, with you know, people that were sacrificing for you? I wanted to, yeah, I'm going to short, long story short, yeah. Absolutely, because number one, I wanted to do all these things that for myself, like I'm sitting in my parents' house and I'm in college, right? And I'm on Facebook, I'm watching everybody go to spring break and I'm watching everybody go to PCB and mm-hmm. I wanna do I wanna do it too. And then you may be on college campus, or whatever, you might meet a little chick or something, and you, you know, exchange yeah. numbers and it's like, I've, you know, I had such a great time on campus, like you wanna hit a, you know, Applebee, you know, we 20, 20 years old, we ain't going yeah. to work fancy. You want to hit Applebee's, <laughs> you know? You know that's on that list, right? I uh, know. Hey, <laughs> first off, hey, the neighborhood Applebee's, I, I, I like Chili's. I ain't going to lie. Hey, we can go to Chili's. But, um, yeah, so doing that, you know, at the time, at that age, right, it's like, all right, you want to go to Chili's, Applebee's? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, meet, meet me there at 7. I'm like, all right, let me, uh, let me text you, you know, let me, hey, mom, can you, or dad, can you take me to Applebee's at 7? Oh, son, I was planning on going. I had a meeting late. and You know what I'm saying? Like, having yeah. that, I can't just move how I want to do. I got to start driving. Mm. Right? I got to start driving. That was the first. I got to start driving. So, but when you start driving or, you know, moving and grooving, it's like, all right, now I got to move out. Because now that I'm driving, you know, I'm able to hang out with uh, young ladies later or hang with my friends later or my, my fraternity brothers later. And speaking of fraternity, shout out to Omega Sci Fi, the number one organization, fraternity <laughs> incorporated in the United States of America. Or... Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's but, what's up <laughs> Yeah so um, Hanging out with my frat brothers then You know I was like I'm hanging out later yeah. and, But my parents You know like I said They late 40s now Early 50s now And it's like Alright son You ain't finna be coming in here you know, you know One two in the morning Like me and your mama Gotta go to church in the morning mm-hmm. You know me and your mama Gotta wake up early Gotta go to work in the morning And you living in their house and You gotta respect it you yeah. gotta, I'm 20 years old 21 years old At the time you got to respect it. So now I'm like, you know what? I got to move out. Yeah. I got to get my own crib. And exactly what I did. You and like it, me, man. You like me, bro. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, man, if, if, if 
from, from just from an early age, bro, I've always wanted to be independent. So you just you you the exact same way, bro. What if you if you call my OG? That's why I call my mom my OG. She was she she, she calls me by my middle name because my dad and I have the same first name. So growing up, I couldn't distinguish when she would say Fletcher. Uh. So she started calling us by her middle name. She was like, for some reason, I've never met. She said, Dwayne, he doesn't like anybody to hold his hand when he crosses the street. Yeah. Like when I was young. As a kid, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, give me your hand, son. I got it. Son, right, give me right. your hand. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. I just always want to be independent, man. Yeah. And just having that taken away from me at, the, at 18 years young, man, it opened your perspective of what's really important in life. So what is really important in life? I'm going to go the levels of it. I would say at 18, I was focused on three things, man. School, football, girls. That was the only three things I was concerned about. My parents always told me. not every single college kid. Exactly. Especially a college athlete. <laughs> oh, oh, like, yeah. your respective sport, girls, <laughs> and class. Yeah. Right? But so, um, at that moment, football was like, hey, man, this is, football is law. Right? So, other than class, because I, I, if I don't do good in class, well in class, I won't play football. So, I got to do well in class so I can keep playing football. Girls going to be there regardless. So I ain't really worried about that, but whatever, right? Yeah. So football is law. And I remember, and now hindsight 2020, I'm, I remember like missing family reunions for practice. Uh, we had practice on Saturday or Sunday and family reunion was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. I can't come. I got practice. And, or or a, a film session, you know, uh, mom, your mom's birthday dinner starts at 6. Well, film doesn't get out to 6.30, so I'll be there after film. You know, stuff like that. And going now, and then football was taken away from me. It was like, was it really that important to show up to your mother's birthday dinner late because you was watching film to miss a family reunion because you had a game that next Saturday and the coach said if you don't show up on practice you're gonna get benched for the first quarter. Like, is it really that you know serious? Because now, I mean, it never happened to me. But what if that was the last family reunion your grandmother was at and you was late because you had football, right? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question. In, in whole, it was what's most important to me. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different, man. Mm-hmm. Family is up there. You know, God, let me say that God, number one. Family, and I include that in, in support system. Like my support system, they're no longer friends, they become family. Mm. And I think one of the most important things in life is love, man. Love, whether that's companionship or love for your family mm-hmm. member or love for a friend, but the L O V E word, bro, that. It holds weight. Yeah. It holds weight. I love. I have the word love tattooed on me like nine times. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 so powerful, man. Well, I, I know you said that you know things like watching film and all that isn't important. I, and I 100% agree on that alone. I don't think it's important. But I think what you were trying what, to film? accomplish, like film, like when when you're saying watching film and you know and football, all of that. By itself, it's not important. But yeah. what you were trying to accomplish, I think, was important. And I think where, unfortunately, what happened to you, what happened to you was unfortunate. But it put you, it put you in a position to go, still go towards that goal in a different route. So now you travel the world, inspiring people, mm-hmm. and and speaking. So you, what what actually inspired you? Well, let me ask you this before you get to the next question. Okay, go ahead. But you saying like. Film was necessarily important, but what you were trying to accomplish is important. Yes. But at what at what what sacrifice? Exactly. Like, is it more important than your wife? Is it more important than your child? Because I've read a lot, I've seen a lot of people that 
um, like their parents worked so hard for them to have a successful life, mm. like stayed late, 10, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., miss, miss first football games, miss first basketball games. Mm. That job going to be there. But your child going to always remember his daddy missed his homecoming game. Oh, absolutely. So it's like at what cost is what you're trying to accomplish not as important as what's really important in life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I see you, you're talking to a very driven man. So okay. <laughs> it's I mean, hard. It's hard I mean, to accept. Come on, we see but, eye to eye on that. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard to accept that. Well, no, it's not hard to accept. So I actually agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But to do great things takes sacrifices. So everybody loves Kobe. Everybody loves Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. But you already know to, to get to where they've gotten, they had to sacrifice. Period. They've had to I sacrifice. Agree, agree. So it's, it, it's, it just depends. Yeah, you're right. If, if you spend your whole life going towards something and then, at, then you completely sacrifice family, friends, and the people that care about you, and you, you sacrifice that to get that accomplishment, yeah, it's not worth it. Because in the, on your deathbed, you're going to look back and regret that. I think Steve Jobs said something similar where you know, he was dying of, I think it's pancreatic cancer. You know, yeah. it was like all the stuff he's accomplished, it's like it's not really that important. And what you exactly what you're saying to contest, it reminds me of a J. Cole quote. Mm. It's like, what good is first class if my partners can't sit? Mm. And what I took from that is, is like though you want to sacrifice, like Kobe, LeBron, and all of them have to sacrifice to be great, right? Yeah. And but when you wanna F over friends and family, where when you get to the top, you're there by yourself. I think those guys are just a different type of person. And it's, you know, it's people that, they're people that we idolize. But if you had to just, we just place you in their body and in like 30 seconds, you can see everything they had to go to, go through to get to the position they're in. Most people wouldn't do it. Uh, Of course. Most people wouldn't do it because it does, because these people do sacrifice a lot. No, go ahead. No, no. I, I think one thing that also is when it comes back to support system, I think the people they are surrounded by yeah. understand that they have to sacrifice. Yeah. So like when, you're, when your friends and your family and your wife understands like, hey, Fletcher's going to be late because he has to prepare for a speech in the morning. Yeah. That's under, like they understand. But a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people are just so caught up on, well, he was late to my birthday dinner, so I don't rock mm-hmm. with him no more. I understand that it takes sacrifice to be at the top. So I, I, I agree with you to yeah. a certain extent, but being great takes sacrifice. I get that 100%. But you shouldn't sacrifice. Certain things. Your grandma's 99 years old. Why are you skipping her birthday? You right. Come on now. You right. <laughs> you right. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. So you're a public speaker. That's what some people might call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nah, what do you absolutely. call it? No, nah, no, nah, I'm for real, man. Yeah, I just, uh, I love it. I am a public speaker, a motivation, professional motivational speaker, man. <laughs> and and never, never in a million years would I ever thought I would be doing this. Bro, that shit terrifies me. <laughs> it's easy, man. <laughs> I know you were telling me in the car it's easy. Yeah. Nah, me stepping on stage and just looking at a bunch of people looking back at me, nah. Wait that, don't look, that don't sound easy to me, bro. <laughs> you know what's crazy? It's like, <laughs> and sometimes I've, like, when a large crowd, I've just taken in the moment. So I'll, like, roll on stage and just look around and just be like, and everybody's looking back, like, talk, waiting on you. you know? Oh, so it'd be quiet. It'd be quiet as a mouse. <laughs> But you just trying to take it's like, man, I'm really, I'm really here. Like I'm really doing a TED talk. 
Mm. Like I'm really just have to be thankful. So, but I can see how some people can like look out there and think the exact opposite. Like, oh, they really waiting on me to talk. Like, this is too much pressure. Perspective, it changes everything, right? Cause, because now, now that you say that, you roll out, you're not saying a word. The audience is quiet, you're quiet. And they're just waiting. Pins and needles. Waiting. So I think the silence is actually just as powerful as the speech. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. You don't never, you know, you, you just don't date one, fly the girl to uh, uh, Jamaica. You got to start off small, but you got to give her a little taste of it. You got to roll out there on stage. Uh, and, you know what I'm saying? You got to roll out there on stage. Where you going with and, this? <laughs> you got to roll out there on stage and, you know, just let, the, let it sink in. Yeah. And I do it most for me, not the crowd, man. I just just go on stage and just so thankful because I remember it's times I prayed for moments like this. Mm. And I remember my first presentation doing it in a, in a high school lunchroom in front of 12 kids praying for the day I was able to get on stage and have cameras around and look around and be, you know what I'm saying? The microphones everywhere. Yeah. I pray for moments like this. So don't take for granted on moments that you've prayed for when you're in those moments. Mm. When you're out on stage, mm -hmm. What message are you trying to convey? Depends on the presentation. Depends on, you know, my, is it high school? Is it business? Is it FedEx? Is it AutoZone? Is it, uh, you know, but for the most part, no matter who I speak to, mm -hmm. I want them to understand this, bro. And I think I'm going to talk to America on this one. Adversity happens to everybody, but it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond to it. It's how you respond to it. How you... How are you gonna respond when you when things don't go your way? When things are going left, so to speak. You know, we all have this plan that in our heads, all right, I'm gonna go to high school, then I'm gonna go to college, and I'm gonna make a million dollars, right? But then God was like, hold on now, I got something for you. <laughs> you know, and that's when adversity comes. And for me, my adversity was becoming paralyzed a week while with my freshman year of college. You know, so it's how you respond to it. That's what I no matter what I who I speak to. Or what message, whether it's safe driving or staying focused on life or, you know, a Christian-based um, presentation. Mm -hmm. All of it is adversity happens to everybody. It's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. I want to get that message across to as many people as possible. Yeah, and that's a message that we all need. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, and it's, it's, I can just imagine myself listening to you and just having you roll up on stage and me just think, Wow. If you can go through everything that you've gone through, mm -hmm. well, you roll on stage, <laughs> still be happy as can be, traveling the world, partying with friends. What? We get busy. How can I let the adversity I'm going through stop me? So yeah, just, you're, you're, you're an inspiration for sure. I try to, I just, I never, you know what's crazy? I had every reason to give up, bro. I had every reason when it was, oh, you, uh, First of all, you're an undersized athlete. You get a full scholarship, right? Yeah. And then you become paralyzed. Oh, could have gave up then. And then, you know, uh, going to college my freshman year, wheelchair breaks down. I have to miss two weeks of class. Could have gave up then. Contact mm -hmm. for me. You know, or any situation. I had every been in therapy, you know, um, not really feeling like myself or I don't want to do this no more. I just want to go home and chill at the crib. And I had every reason to give up. Mm -hmm. But like I said earlier, when you work hard for something, giving up is not an option. And so you ask, um, like, how could you give up going through what you're going through, you know, just because you see what I've done. But every, everybody's trials and tribulations is different. Mm -hmm. You know, what might be minimal to you might not be minimal to me. 
Yeah. You know, I'm like, dang, sacred, you know, your dog died and you just out here at work the next day? I would have took off work for six weeks, you know? I'm just saying, something like that. But adversity happens to everybody. It's not absolutely that it finds you. And when you find that inner dog in you, it's like whatever makes you keep going, mm. man, you'll, you, you'll be unstoppable. You'll How'd you find that? How'd you find, how did Fletcher find his inner dog? Playing sports or after sports? How'd you find it playing sports? And then how'd you, how'd you refine, how did you rediscover it after sports? In sports, I had that dog in me because I refused to be told I couldn't do something or you ain't better than me. And I don't care what it is. Ping pong, golf, soccer, jacks. I don't care. I'm the best out here at everything. I'm the best old lineman and I'm the best quarterback. Like I'm the best everything. <laughs> It's, Slow down. Pause. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, like I, I just had that like that such high confidence in myself that yeah. I, if I focus yeah. and like really, I don't want to play quarterback, but if I really wanted to, I could take your job. <laughs> mm. You know, but like if I focus on anything, yeah. I'm unstoppable. What position did you play? Uh, receiver. Uh, yep. Receiver, kick return, punt return. My scholarship was for kick return, punt return. You was quick. I was quick. I wasn't fast. I was quick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like like shifty, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that was that was that's what they say. Okay. I like it. So you found your inner dog in sports. What happened afterwards? How did you find your inner dog after the accident? A lot of soul searching, man. I'm telling you, my parents. Shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Cleves, my parents, man, and my grandmother, and just everybody I was surrounded with from. Close friends to family. You met them, you know, my sister Bean that you interviewed, or you know, not my real sister, but you know, my sister. Yeah, I love Bean. Bean's dope. Yeah, Michelle Bean, Bean. She, she's, like, she's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, my cousins and my family and people that I've been blessed to be surrounded with. Like when you watch them, man, Flitch, what you doing, man? I'm at the crib, man. I just, and I'm, well, I don't really, of course I don't say this, but in my head, I'm like, Man, y'all go ahead, man. I don't feel like, man, man we finna come. Man, you don't feel like getting out? We all coming to your house then. Mr. Miss Cleese, is it cool if we come over there? Absolutely, come on. And I remember my dad took me upstairs and a group of my friends just stayed up there just watching movies and talking and just shooting the breeze, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just for like hours and it's just, yeah. all right, Fletch, come on, you can do this. Like that's when it really registered with me, you know? And having that support system makes a difference, bro. Having that support system makes a huge difference. How did you get your support system? Well, December 12, 1990, uh, Bishop Ms. Cleese was blessed from a gift from above, you know. Uh, <laughs> so you so was born. Exactly, I, was, I was born. And you already, I'm automatically like, everybody just. Automatically gift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it shows, so people say this all the time, the fact so many people support and rock with Fletcher shows what type of person he was before his car crash. Mm -hmm. Like when you go around being an a-hole to people, when you go around not vibing right, like, oh, Fletcher got hurt. You talking about the guy that kicked me the other day or in high school that used to bully me? Okay, so, you know, forget, forget. I was about to say, fuck it, you know? I mean, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it is what it, you know, is what it is, but I just tried to be such a vibe to everybody. Like, I was most athletic in high school. Yeah. And so that comes with a certain amount of tension, right? So it was already like walking the halls. It was already like a little... Oral, right? I would say lack of a better term. I wasn't the man. I wasn't like the best. I just, I'm not the best. I just work harder than everybody. That's so what that was my, I'm just work harder than all y'all. So they allowed me to win most athletic, right? And I remember I would like see somebody sitting in the lunchroom and just do been sitting by himself like three weeks straight. I'm gonna go over there and chop it up with them. Like, really? I sit, I sit with y'all every day. 
You know what I'm saying? Just go to, hey, my boy, where you from? And, you know, oh, I'm from St. Louis. Oh, you just, why, why you always be busted? I don't know nobody. Well, you know me now. Come on. Let's, you know. That's what's Stuff up. like that. And just doing that throughout high school and throughout my life, it just always, it's been times I got suspended for five for people. I didn't even know what they was fighting for. I just didn't like the fact it was five against one. Mm. I don't know what they fighting for, but I don't like this shit. <laughs> you know, something like that. And, and, and I just always try to take up for the little person, so to speak, or take up for what I thought was right in my heart. Mm-hmm. And when, so when my car crash happened, people was like, "Oh, you talking about the guy that was? Oh, we got a, yeah, we got a Robert Fletch. He's such a vibe, you know." So yeah. I think that shows why my support system. So why I'm so blessed with a great support system. This shows the type of person I am. Yeah, I actually noticed whenever I was filming you in Tulum, and when we were interviewing some of your friends, like everybody was just talking about how great you were. Period. Mm-hmm. So now, I, I ain't perfect now. Don't get me wrong. I ain't perfect, but no, but just just. Just the type of stuff that you were you're saying right now, the fact that you were in in high school, you saw someone sitting by themselves, and you decided, yeah. hey, you know what? I'll sit with my friends later. Let, let me go make another. Yeah, I'm gonna one. see y'all later. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that most people wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Why not, man? Everybody's human, bro. That's how I see it. Because you never know when you might need help. You never know when you might be that person by yourself. You yeah. know, like God may take you to elevation to different heights where you're in a room alone, and of yeah. course, you want somebody to come. Hey, yo, sacred, what's up, bro? Where you from? You know, so of course I want to, to extend that courtesy to other people. I needed that in high school. What? <laughs> no, nah, I'm about to say nah, you, nah. Probably, you probably was ladies' man. Nah, bro. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't a ladies' man. I was pretty shy, bro. For real? I was pretty shy. Yeah, I actually had. Um, whenever I moved from Florida to Texas, it was uh, what was it the end of end of middle school, and when I when I got there, I remember. Um, I think it was Izzy who said this. She said, "People, people thought that the, I don't know. You know, you know how the, I don't know what you call it for a guy, but you know, g- girls have rest and bitch face. Oh yeah, yeah, I had that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> what do you, what, what you call it for a dude? Uh, <laughs> don't talk to me face. No, nah, but it wasn't even like that. It was because I actually was just terrified of people. I was just shy. Were so, you tall in high school? Uh, in high school, I got taller. Okay. But in, I'm, I'm talking about middle school." Mm. So I I got there and I remember, I forgot how the conversation went. I just remember this comment. Uh, she had said, Izzy said, yeah, we just thought, you know, you had a lot of girls that liked you, but you just didn't show nobody any attention or something like that. Like you just, mm. I'm, yo, I was weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you just different, man. You weren't weird. No, no, I was just, I was just super shy, and you know, it's shit. Things have changed since. I mean, I'm still shy. Look at you now, yeah, yeah. However, but um, no, nah, I definitely was not always a social butterfly, bro. I never been shy. Shy was one thing. I, I, <laughs> I was never, never like I'm like when you believe in yourself, man. You got that confidence. Yeah, you can go. With, I belong in every room, anywhere I can. Whether it's CEOs or people on the streets, I belong in every space. Like, I can get in with anybody. Like just that confidence, you know what I'm saying? Hey, that's hey, that's the attitude you're supposed to have. Absolutely. You know, it just came to me a little bit later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got it. You got it. My boy St out here moving and grooving. <laughs> you said Ice T. St. Oh, St. Yeah. I'm like Ice T. No, St. St. All right. Yeah, nah. That's, that's, I'll take it. But so, you speak around the world and you mm-hmm. inspire people, whether they're in your position or not. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone who has experienced a traumatic event in their in their life? Man, every traumatic experience is different. 
So what I have gone through doesn't necessarily make it can be related to what you're going through, you know. But understand this, no matter what you're going through, it ain't going to last forever. So understand that this too shall pass one day, right? Like, uh, I think I was reading a quote, like, I've never seen a cloud sit over one person's house for an extended amount of time. And basically what that uh, person was saying was that, like, the sun shall shine again soon. Mm -hmm. So if you have the mentality that if I work or if I, you know, put myself in good positions, that this seasons of negativity or bad or traumatic incident will pass. Like if you, uh, give, just give me an example. Let me see, what do you consider traumatic incidents? Give me an example, let's say, other than mine. Uh, you want like what's something you may have considered traumatic or- For me? Yeah. Uh, sheesh, I mean, I have, what, what kind of trauma do I have? I don't have anything that's super traumatic in Somebody my you may know, like it's not, you know, somebody you may know or heard about um, okay, I have, I, I actually just, my now last, don't give my, me, don't give me no, like, fucked up, super, like, oh, okay. no, I'm I was about ahead. to, no, I was <laughs> be like, not, not the R word or anything, go ahead, no, no, um, I, yeah, I wasn't gonna bring that up, but yeah, I definitely know some people, unfortunately, yeah, um, but no, so I actually, I, the last, my last podcast guest, he, was a he he went through addiction and he's been mm -hmm. in and out of penitentiary mm -hmm. he's been in and out of jail and uh, he has done heroin all types of drugs mm -hmm. and so that that part traumatic. of his life was super traumatic he's okay. since turned his life around but absolutely so. but so taking his scenario i don't know what he had to go through to get over what he got, went through but i'm sure there was some type of sacrifice and work to get over those that addiction right so that too will pass. It will pass if you focus, I would say. Yeah. You know, if you focus, I read this quote about focus is, uh, I think it was an NFL player that said this, focus is not picking one thing out and staring at it, like focusing on one dot. Mm -hmm. Focus is having a million dots and knowing which ones to stare at. That is considered focus because all the things that that person may have been juggling in their life, he knew that re uh, rehabilitation or family or whatever was what he needed to focus on at that moment. Not the all other things that were maybe juggling. And the same thing for me. It was so many things that I wanted to juggle at so many times in my life, whether it was therapy, school, relate family, relationship, but understanding what needed my attention at what point at that time. Mm. So that's what... Anybody facing any traumatic incident, mm. it will pass if you focus. If you focus or just let time. And there's no certain, especially grief. Grief is one of the worst mm. things to try to help people get over. Because you can't put a, a time on grief, whether it's one day or three years or six years. Like when somebody loses somebody that they're close to, how who are you to say, man, your mama been dead six years, get over it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't, so... Grief is probably one of the hardest as a motivation speaker, helping people or trying to motivate people to get over because it's like there's no yeah. time frame. With, with humans, we are conditioned for like time frames, especially injuries. Oh, your leg broke, it's gonna be two months. ACL injury, nine months. Your arms broke, six weeks. Yeah. You know, but then when you deal with something that's not like how long, I don't know. I don't know how long it's gonna take. You know, it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> so with like grief or spinal cord, they say spinal cord takes up to two years to heal, mm -hmm. you know, or 
anything. So when you deal with something like that, where it's hard, it's hard to put a time frame on something, but just understand that it will pass if you focus. Mm-hmm. He says seeing a million different things and knowing what to focus on. Yep, yep. It's not pick. It's not a lot of times we see focus as, and this is what I got from the quote. It was like a lot of things you we focus on. All right, let me stare. Let me focus. Let me focus. Let me focus. That's concentration. Mm-hmm. It's not focus. So, but focus is having a million things in your life and knowing which ones need your attention at that moment. Yeah. Grief is a very interesting one. And I've listened to a lot of different other podcasts and a lot of people who have, who've, who've got some pretty good advice on it. I, I know one of the things that when you do grieve, you know, you want to you wanna kind of shut it out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've heard that helps is to allow yourself to actually feel, that, feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. Sit in it. You, you know, you're always running away from it. Mm-hmm. When you say focus, sit in it, feel it, cry it out if you have to. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the hard things that I deal with or used to deal with, so to speak. And the older I get, I try to deal with it more. Yeah. But football players and maybe men in general yeah. are trained to suppress our emotions, our feelings, right? Yeah. It's like, especially football players, I would say, uh, what you crying for? Get over it, little girl. Like, stop crying. You know, yeah. stop crying so much, right? And then, but it's like, it's all right to feel a certain, it's all right to feel a certain way. Bro, you said your girl left you? Yeah. You all right? Mm. Yeah, man, I'm all right. You, need, you want to talk about it? You know, versus, are you still crying over that girl, man? Stop crying. Stop acting yeah. like a little punk, you know? Yeah, yeah. So as men, you know, it's all right to feel that. And I think I had to retrain my brain and recondition my thought process because at football it was... Nobody cares about your, what you're going through. Nobody cares that your girl left you. All the thing they care is how you perform at this moment, right now. Like, yeah. I get what he was saying, but it's like in hindsight with mental health being a new focal point in society, it's like, no, bro, somebody does care. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. Do, do you think that that thought process is toxic? Well, do what works for you. Like, when at that time, it's not toxic. I don't know, man. It's, everybody's in, it's different. Yeah. It's, you got to do what works for you. What might be toxic to one person, not toxic to the next. It's, if you are the type of person that can suppress their emotions without blowing up or without yeah. being a ticking time bomb, or if you're just that emotionally stable, then kudos to you, my brother. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I guess I should ask this more specific. Do you think the fact that society basically tells men to suppress their emotions. Do you think that is toxic? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so for sure. I think, like, it's hard, it's hard to cry every now and then, or it's hard to cry whenever you need to. I don't want yeah. to say every now and then. Like, ain't nothing wrong with a man crying, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, so just, man, anybody out there struggling with those emotions, man, it's all right to feel, feel how you feel. Feel how you feel, bro. I agree, man. It's, it's, it's crazy, because I'm, I'm one of those people who... Ba- you know, based off of the content that I put out, people may assume that I'm a pretty emotional dude. Mm-hmm. Pretty baseline, bro. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't really go too high, too low. I mean, I get, I get, I get. It's mono. It can get high. No, no, I wouldn't say mono. Say. But what I will say is, I could probably count the number of times I've cried in my life. In your life, or post twenty one. In my life, really, not even like a teenager. Okay, let's yeah. not. Okay, I mean, not pa- like past being past being a baby. Yeah, yeah, not that. <laughs> I'm talking about like 17, 18, 19, 20. On maybe one, two hands. If I, I, 
I'd have to think back, but I, I have not cried more than 10 times. And I don't know if that's a problem. <laughs> I'm about to say, bro, you want to cry? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's a problem. You need, need a good cry right now? No, no, I don't think so. Not right now. But yeah, Man, I, I was the same way. I cried. I cried the night of my car crash. I remember being, I was trapped in the car when it was flipping. Yeah. And Dane, when he freed himself from his arm being stuck, he was like, Fletch, I'll be right back. I, and I started crying. I was like, Dane, like, don't leave me down here, bro. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He was like, Fletch, I got to go get help. And I remember I was laying on my right side. And I remember, like, I was crying, like, I'm finna die. Like, this is how I'm finna die trapped in this car with nobody around by myself. And I was just sitting there bawling, crying. And then I started thinking to myself, like, all right, Fletch, you know, because I had been working out that entire summer. Because I graduated high school in May. My car crash was in September. That whole summer, I was just working out three times a day. So I had gained, like, 30 pounds of muscle. So I was like, let me try to Superman my way out of this car right in. And then once I wasn't moving, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm finna die for sure. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was my, in that, uh, that emotional, from chilling, headed back to the dorm from Buffalo Wild Wings to crashing, to feeling like you finna die, then hearing the sirens and, okay, I'm out the car, so everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. You're paralyzed. Oh, shit, everything's not gonna be all right. You know? You, when you were getting rushed, you, could, you realized you couldn't move? When Did I was getting what? Whenever you were getting rushed to the, the hospital. No, no, I thought I would, like, to this day, I still, they call them like phantom pains or so. I, my legs feel completely normal. And I was in the hospital, and you don't think about, oh, I'm paralyzed. You think yeah. like, oh, I might got some internal bleeding. My leg must be bent, broke. I must, my, my hip probably broken. Yeah. You know, you think about all that stuff, right? So I'm in the back of the EMT, and she's asking me all these questions. Name, do you know how many uh, months are in a year? Do you know how many days are in a week? Name all seven days of the week. I'm getting all, name all 12 months. Uh, in a year, and I'm naming all of them, and I'm saying all of them, and then she says, I want you to move your right leg, Fletcher. And I'm like, all right, in my head, I'm like, all right. And she's like, did you hear me move your right leg? I was like, I did. And she was like, all right. And then she was like, move your left leg. And I moved my left leg. She was like, did you hear me move your left leg? I was like, I did. <laughs> she was like, okay. And I was like, what's, what's, what's going on? Give it something right. What's, what's going on? Well, how do I look? Because I'm like, my legs must be broken. Like, they must be Mank, like my ankle must be messed up. No part of your head was thinking, I no, must be I, paralyzed. No, not one, that did not cross my mind, not one bit. Not one, I was like, oh, my ankle must be like dismembered or something, right? Yeah. And, it's, and I was like, give it to me straight. I was laying on my back. Then she takes a deep breath. She says, well, you look fine. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, yeah, you don't have any visible broken bones. I was like, really? I was like, am I bleeding? She was like, not really. I was like, I was like yeah. She was like, yeah, you have a, some cuts and bruises on your hand. You're bleeding on your hand, but nothing looks broken. But we think you have a spinal cord injury. I'm like, what, what does that mean? I was a spinal cord. It was like, well, you know, you might have a, a dislocated or broken neck. We're not sure yet. We're going to run some more tests when we get to the hospital. And in my mind, you've seen kung fu movies, right? So they go around breaking people's necks and they fall, right? Yeah. But I'm like, how's my neck broken? And I'm still talking and like I'm still moving. Like yeah. I was 18 years young. I didn't know much about, you know, what, what it meant to be paralyzed. So I'm like, how's my neck broken? And I can still, I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm, I'm fine. Like, are you sure? She's like, I mean, I don't know. We'll just run some more tests. And then that's when it, the, uh, the truth came out. Mm. Man. It was tough, man. When, it was when, tough. Whenever... The doctor came to you and told you what? What was your first thought? 
I remember uh, saying immediately. So I'm, he was like, Fletch, uh, you know, unfortunately you are paralyzed. And the first thought I was like, so I'm not going to practice in the morning. He was like, no, I don't think you're going to practice in the morning. Because <laughs> we, we had an upcoming game literally like a week later or something. Like, so that's all I was worried. Like, yeah. I, am I, am I going to be well enough to play on Saturday? Yeah. Son, you ain't going to never play football again in your life. What? This, my whole identity at that time of my life yeah. was Fletcher the football player. So it's like now that football is taken away from me, who am I? What am I going to associate myself with now? And I chose not to be that person that let that defeat them or going to be the end of my life. And I just, as you know, I kept living, baby. Yeah. I, I kept living. I've seen it. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. <laughs> so you, you said that that was your identity back then. Mm-hmm. What's your identity now? Man, it's forever changing. It's, it's always changing, I would say. I would say at this moment, at this day in my life, my identity is associated with the L word, love, family. Mm-hmm. Love, I'm gonna say, I'm, I think I combine those words, not love, family, but love and family. Mm-hmm. And I really just want to take this opportunity that I've been blessed with to the highest level possible, you know? Mm-hmm. Whether it's speaking, whether it's acting, whether it's um, traveling and being an advocate for disabled travel, whether whatever it may be, I just want to let people know uh, that no matter what you want to do, anything is possible. Mm. I want to win an Oscar. I want to be, I've done a TED talk that was on my list of to do a TED talk. I've done that. I've done countless things I've accomplished, but yeah. I just want to continuously climb and or roll up or whatever you want to say. Roll up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever you want to say to get to the mountain, to show that, man, dude in wheelchair, he really be out here getting it. For other people, because it's going to be other paralyzed people coming up. It's going to be other people that yeah. lose ability or not even just paralyzed, just whatever adversity you may be going through. Yeah. I want to know, like, man, if I can do this, bro, if I can do it, bro, you got it. You got it. And I said all the time, come on. Look, look, come on. Look at me. Look look at me. If I can do this, <laughs> man, sacred, you got it, bro. You, you can knock it out. I'm telling you. You know, and that's the mentality I have towards people. I'm ready to speak on stage now. That's what I'm saying. You got it. Just take a deep breath. You know what helped me for, uh, <laughs> when I first started speaking? Somebody told me is pick out like three people and just look at them. And exactly, I, I put I picked out like three or four people in different areas of the stage. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a man right here, a lady right here, and uh, a, a lady in the middle. So I'm like just, you know, talking mm-hmm. to those three people, and it just and then eventually the more you do it, you get crowd work and you get to yeah. you fill it out. And just like anything in life, the more you do it, the better you'll get. What you do most is what you do best. That's so true. So if you sleep all day, you're going to be a damn good sleeper. Yeah. That ain't never <laughs> yeah. been me, man. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, do, do you ever take time to reflect on how far you've come? All the time, man. All the time. All the time. Because I realized that 10 years ago, I've been, this September would been, have been 15 years I've been paralyzed. Mm. Man, I remember laying in the hospital and praying for times like this. I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm praying for times like this. And where I was able to drive on my own. I was able to travel on my own. I was able to, you know what I'm saying, do whatever it is on my own without, well, I'm going to say without assistance, minimal assistance. Mm-hmm. Right? It was able, you know, like, hey, you trying to go to Jamaica? When? In the morning. Like, we can get it. I got money. You know what I'm saying? Like, just that type of, 
I pray for times like this. So I, every day, uh, I say uh, one, uh, one phrase every morning. I say, today going to be a good day. Today going to be a good day. Today going to be a good day, baby. Like, today yeah. going to be a good day. And that's the goal, is just to have a good day. Like, my goal is just to have a good day. Yeah. I think Will Smith may say that, like, if you, uh, if you have a good day, enough good days in a row will turn into a good week. Enough good weeks will be a good month. And enough good months in a row will be a good life. You know what I'm saying? So That is so true. Yeah, it's like, I just try to have a good day, bro. Try to have a good day. Yeah, one day at a time. That's really how you do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, what? so think about everything we talked about. What helps you get out of a slump? Or you maybe whether it's a breakup or you don't get that major client that you thought you were going to get or whatever the case may be. When I think about it, it's the ultimate goal. I always, I always revert back to my drive, my goals, aspirations, mm-hmm. what I want to do in life for me, for my mm-hmm. family, um, what I'm trying to build. So if there's anything outside of that that I'm in a funk with, mm-hmm. it, it, it disappears. Taking that inner motivation, so to speak, huh? Yeah. Exactly. So. Like when I'm with my parents, like that inner motivation, like, hey, Fletch, you got to get through this because look at, look at so much... Your parents have sacrificed, and I'm sure that's the same thing for you. Where you saying it's your inner, inner being or inner yeah. goal, right? Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing, man. And I haven't. Maybe I've talked about this a little bit, but mm-hmm. I have. I have some brothers with mental illness. I have a brother with schizophrenia, another one with bipolar. Really? Didn't know that. Yeah, I do. I know you got a whole lot of siblings, though. Do you have a lot of siblings? Yeah. And the way I see it is. I'm in a position where if I don't make it, they don't make it. Mm-hmm. My brother that has schizophrenia, mm-hmm. he's taken care of by my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom's gonna is not gonna outlive him. So then what? You're right. So I'm fighting for, and I and I, my drive is more than just me. I'm. Take your time, boss. I'm trying to think of the words. It's it's more than just. I'm not just trying to make a shit ton of money just mm-hmm. to make a shit ton of money. I'm not trying to build this podcast to something that millions of people are going to see just just for the vanity. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because one, I want to help people. Absolutely. But two, I have a family that I want to support. Absolutely. And I have an I, I I just I have too many people riding on it. Mm-hmm. So those types of things, if I'm in a little funk about anything else, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I feel you, yeah, I feel you on that. I feel you. It make you got to figure out your why, basically, right? Oh, I know my why. Figure, well, whomever, like when you know yeah. that why, oh, yeah, 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 dig dig through it. Like dig that. Always remember your why when you're dealing with X, when you're dealing with Y, when you're dealing yeah. with Z. Always remember your why. How do you find your why? What's important at this moment in my life? Like why? Mm-hmm. Like why continuously do? Why continuously keep motivating Fletcher? Why continuously travel the world? Why continuously try to be a beacon of life for so uh, so many others? Yeah. Because I know is one person out there that's looking for a reason to not give up, and I want to be that. Mm. I, I want to be that. When you see an audience, what's your mentality? Yeah. In terms of impact. Impact. When, uh, now, when I first started and now, I would say I never wanted to, 
let me go out here and motivate the crowd. Yeah. I was just going out there and was like, man, look, I'm going to tell my story and whoever rocks with it and is motivated by it, then so be it. Like, I think when people purposely try to be motivational, yeah. it comes off as corny. You know, mm. like, like eh, you sound real corny, bro. But then when somebody's real authentic and real, like, just really speaking from the heart, like, I remember one time this people was like, well, the TED Talk, when I gave my TED Talk. Yeah. When I gave my TED Talk, that was like, all right, uh, TED Talks on February 8th. I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then two weeks before, they was like, hey, yeah, Mr. Cleese, can you come in on February 1st and rehearse your speech? What? <laughs> what speech? Like, I don't, you, you didn't write your speech down? Mm-mm. They're like, really? How are you going to, no, I'll just speak from the heart. Just speak from the heart. And that's, yeah. all I, that's all I do in my presentations. Like, I have bullet points. I have things I want to uh, go over. Mm-hmm. But there's no, good morning, people. How are you all doing? Like, there's no set script. Yeah. I just go out there and speak from the heart. And how I'm feeling the crowd of that day, like I'm, the crowd really rocking with the motivational yeah. aspect. The, the crowd really rocking with the focus aspect. The mm-hmm. crowd really rocking with the never give up aspect. And that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to you know, talk about. Mm. So I, kn- I know... You have a, a mission. Mm-hmm. When one of your missions that I that I've I've noticed, at least looking at your social media and knowing you for a while, mm-hmm. is you're trying to change things in the hotel industry. Can Absolutely. You, can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, going to the wholesale industry, as much travel as I've done, you realize that a lot of places aren't built for the minority. A lot of places aren't set up for the the latter. And one of the biggest things is like uh, disabled luxury travel, man. Mm-hmm. Like that pisses me off to the pistivity, the highest of pistivity, as my uncle used to say. Pistivity. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, think about it like this: people have ADA accessible rooms, right? Because they have to. They're gonna get sued, right? They just well, we got we got them. We got two or three of them. We got them. Whatever, right? But what about luxury uh, travel? Luxurious travel. For people with disability, so imagine somebody telling you, "Hey, Sacred, if you work hard, you can accomplish anything. If you work hard and do what you got to do, and be the best videographer, or best podcaster, or the best whatever, yeah. you can literally do anything." And you say, "You know what? I'm gonna work my tail off. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do X. I'm gonna do Y. I'm gonna do Z." You start making a little money. You start making a lot of money. Yeah. So now you go to Jamaica. Let's say you par- you have a disability. You paralyzed. Now you go to Jamaica, and you know what? It's my birthday. I want. Hey, let me get the king suite. Matter of fact, let me get the the, the presidential suite. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Thomas, the only ADA rooms we have are on the first floor and they're basic uh, rooms. We don't have any look. So what you, damn, my money ain't good? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, like, so, like, being told if you work hard for something, you can accomplish, you can have anything in life, and then obtaining the financial means to get anything in life. Well, mm-hmm. I, don't, I ain't gonna say I'm just rich, I can buy anything in life, but to get what you but want. But you're doing good. Yeah, yeah, to get what you want. And then they say, no, we ain't got uh, accessible rooms and presidential suites. People with disabilities not supposed to afford presidential suites? Like, that's how I feel you saying. Like, oh, just F me, huh? Yeah. Like, my money, uh, my, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, so I want to make, I want to be an advocate for disabled travel, disabled luxury travel, and understand, like, hey, just because you got a ramp don't mean this place is accessible. Just because you got one handicapped spot don't mean this place is accessible. Like, why it ain't no door? Why y'all got six entrances with one button? Like, so you trying to tell me this is the only door I can come through? What if I park on the East Wing? I got to, and that happened with a college, University of Memphis I was going to. Yeah. The building, it was three, interesting building, but only one building had, on one door had accessible button. So if I come from the West Wing, I got to go literally around, I got to pass three doors to get to the, you know what I'm saying? Like so they, they, they make it handicap, handicap, 
they make it handicap accessible, yet you have to roll all the way longer than anyone else, mm-hmm. making it not really handicap accessible. You know why they do that? Because it don't affect them. When things don't affect them, they then when things don't affect you, you don't consider the issue. Like, oh, yeah. we got a button, you know, ain't nobody really looking at that. Wow. But yeah, so but they don't realize like, no, nah, you need button on all these doors, yo. Have you made waves to help change that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have I've done it locally, not really on a national level yet, uh, because I'm fighting with a group of people that other disabled people that are doing that. So I I, I want to help and be there, but I try to focus on what I am passionate about the most. Of course, grand change is a big thing. Yeah. Uh, but because I travel so much, I'm focused on the travel industry. The travel, okay. Yeah, but locally, I've made a couple changes. A fire hydrant was placed in front of a curb cut, and I, the city of Memphis moved it because uh, you're right. This is not who, how am I supposed to get off the curb when it's a fire hydrant sitting in the middle of the curb cut, right? So I may, I'm I'm thankful for that. So, but I, I'm trying to focus on the travel part of it. Like yeah. when you traveling, all these opportunities that travel presents for people, yeah. I can't access it because I have a, because I have a disability, yeah. like. Come one, come all, except you. Not no wheelchair, though. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I feel like. It's like, hey, everybody's welcome. Y'all got a ramp? No. Oh, so everybody's not welcome. <laughs> yeah, it sounds ass backwards, actually, the way For they sure. do When you say it, you have to present it to people in a way that they understand, like, oh, we, man, we don't have a ramp, but we got, no, damn, we own the damn, we I got almost got or we should have, or you ain't got it. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear nothing about it. We almost, sorry, I don't want to hear none of that. Yeah. I want to hear, you know, if you're going to do it, do it. Let yeah. me feel as welcome as Sacred does. Let me feel welcome as, uh, you know, Emily does or whatever. So what, what, what luxury travel place have you been to that does it right? Uh, luxury travel that's gotten it right? Yeah, what well, luxury? It's, it's a hit or miss, man. Travel hotel. It's a or... hit, hit or miss. No, don't get me wrong. I ain't just out here just balling until I fall, like just walk, going around. Booking luxury hotels. <laughs> yeah, but like, I've um, asked for a suite just to see they have it. You know, just to see, do y'all have an accessible suite? Oh, we do. Oh, do you mind if I get upgraded or do you mind? I don't mind paying a little extra. Yeah, I, I just literally left. Shout out to Courtyard Marriott in Lake George, New York. Mm. Man, number one, I rock with the Marriott. Marriott's the Same. Yeah, uh, Marriott's, Same. I don't know what who over there y'all got in the, the, the PR department, but they doing it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it ain't all peaches and cream now. They do miss sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, Courtyard Marriott in Lake George, New York, they upgraded me because I'm like a Marriott Gold member or a Diamond member, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And they upgraded. I was like, can I get an ADA room? They was like, yeah, we got you. And we upgraded you. I was like, y'all upgraded me. Clutches pearls. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, y'all upgraded me. And they was like, yeah. yeah, to the suite. I was like, is it still accessible? Absolutely. What? What? Yeah, it was. Nice. It was still accessible. I was like, uh, accessible suite. Magnifico. Nice. Absolutely. So instead of a, a, a little box, you had a closet to stay in because New York's small. No, so it, <laughs> no, it, it, I'm playing, bro. I'm playing. It's, Lake, no, it's New York City small. It's Lake George, New York, which is like upstate. Like ah, upstate. Rural. Okay. It's like, ain't no, it's middle of nowhere in New York. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like New York City was like three and a half hours away. I feel like I'm like all the other people who think New York is just a city. You're right. No, there's a whole New state. York state yeah. <laughs> Well, what motivates you to get up in the morning? Are you driven by relationships, mm-hmm. money, success? Mm-hmm. What motivates you? I'm glad you said success because my OG Nemi used to tell me all the time, never be a person of success. 
be a person of work and success will come. Like when you focus on being successful, you kind of lose track of what it may take to be successful. But when you focus on putting in the work, success will come eventually, right? Mm -hmm. But what motivates me to get up every morning is another opportunity to be better than I was yesterday. If I'm just open my eyes like, whoo, the good Lord didn't take me last night. You know, I'm still, I got another, I'm still here for a reason. I mm-hmm. still have purpose because God ain't called me home yet. I still got purpose. Like when you flipping through that car and all that, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like uh, and coming close to death, when you come close to death is when you truly can appreciate life. So every morning I wake up thankful for another day to be better than I was yesterday. That's what wakes me up every morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you live day by day. You did say that. You did say that, Absolutely. What do you think about the phrase, you're the, you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with? You, you must have heard me say that before. I mean, I say it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally just said it in a presentation last week. You're the sum of the most five people you hang around. And I, I agree with that 100%. Birds of a feather flock together. Uh, I think the uh, analogy was if I told you it was a pack of 10 lions over there, right? Mm. And I said one of those lions doesn't bite. Would you go over there to find out which one didn't bite? You wouldn't, right? You just stay away from all 10. Yeah. So think about the five most people you hang around. If the five most people you hang around still, inadvertently you're going to be a, a thief or you're going to look like a thief or be labeled as a thief because you hang around thieves. Yeah. So whoever you hang around, the five most people you hang around the most, that is who you are. That's who you are. So associate yourself with people who are doing better than you. If you mm-hmm. are the most successful person in your group, your group is too small. So true. Do you have any mentors? I don't actually. You don't? I do not. <laughs> I don't. Like somebody I call, like I have, I, there's no one person who do, who I call. Do you, who do you look up to? My old, my pops. Your pops? Okay. Yeah, my dad. That's probably him. Yeah, him. I'll probably call him. Like he's crazy like when you become an adult. It's like, yeah, I'm a grown ass man. Also me. Hey dad, what I tell these people? Uh, they're talking about my car needs a new, you know? So, that, so you do, that your dad's your mentor. I guess so. Yeah, I guess you can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Give, I, give your dad his flowers, bro. For sure. For sure. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to OG Fletch. Yeah. Shout out to Papa Fletch. Shout out to Papa Cleves. Yeah, yeah. My pops, man, I, I look up to that dude. Uh, uh, just the things. He'd been the youngest of nine and what he had to go through and understand like, hey, man, I got to, like he told me my life changed when my son was born. Like I got a child now. Like I got a son that, you know, I got like I think the song by Ghetto Boys is uh I got a little boy to look after, and if I die, then my child will be a bastard. You know, <laughs> and my pops growing up on eighties, nineties hip hop, he was like, yeah, he said he used to say that quote to me growing up all the time. Oh, yeah. I got a little boy to look. Well, he didn't never finish until I got older. He always say I got a little boy to look after. <laughs> he always said, why do you always say that? And he was like, you know, you're old enough to know the whole saying now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my pops, man, I definitely look up to him. But I so many different people I have. In my life for different reasons, not different yeah. reasons, for different advice. Yeah. Like I think we was talking about my cousin earlier that has his own tequila business. You know, shout out to shout out tequila right here. Make sure you get it online. Shout out uh, tequila.com. So mm. uh, black on tequila in Memphis, absolutely. Doing this thing, Mr. and Miss uh, Mr. Teddy Jasper and Tierra Jasper, brother and sister combo has their own tequila, but reaching out to him. He'd been started his own tequila from the ground up. So when I started my speaking business, I was like, hey, yo, cuz, what do I need to do? You know, how do I move these QuickBooks? What do I need to do with these business credit cards? That's one of my business savvy people I reach out to. Yeah. When I need some emotional support, I might reach out to my mother, you know? 
she helps me navigate my emotions a lot. Yeah. When I need support on, you know, life situations, I might reach out to my pop. So I have different people I connect for different reasons. Again, you have a great support group. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I, I wouldn't trade up nothing for the world. Yeah, I love that, man. So what's your favorite part of your job? I don't even think I have a job, man. I don't think I have a job. I think I just... So what's your favorite part of your life? So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny. Wait, hold up. Real, real quick. When you said you don't, you don't think you have a job, it, it's, there's, this is one of my favorite quotes, and it's always... I take it in and out of my bio. It's create a life that you don't need a vacation from. Mm, likes that. So when you say that. you don't have a job... I ain't got no job. That's yeah. how I love to live, man. What? I go, man, I... Wake up morning of presentations or like, hey, I got two presentations next week. It ain't like I go to work. It's like, my yeah. friend go to, where are you going, Florida? Why? To speak? I don't even say like, I got to go to work. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, your favorite part of your, your life, what's the favorite part of your life? Is it traveling? Shit, the living part. The li yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, the, the living part. Uh, man, the, I love it all. Every, every, I love it all at different stages. One yeah. week it might be traveling. I might get tired of traveling. One week it might be at, at being a homebody, watching Netflix. You know, I love... Yeah. Just being able to live, man. Just so many people don't have the, the ability to just live life. And I mean, not being dead, but just maybe being in a nursing home or maybe being in ICU or maybe being mentally caged in. They just don't have the ability to live life. Yeah. You know, um, what was it? I think it was uh, don't. I think we talked about this earlier. Yeah. Don't live the same year 75 times and call it life. Use every opportunity every day, every year to do something different and just live life. Hmm. That's how I feel. Life is meant for the living. A lot of people are a lot of people are, are alive, but they're not living. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why they, do you think a lot of people are alive and they're not living? Caged in mentally, I would say, maybe, or just afraid. Fear. Fear has controls a lot of people, bro. Yeah, fear, fear paralyzes us. Yeah, fear controls a lot of people. Think about I was scared as hell when he threw me off that cenote. But I didn't yeah. let it stop me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like fear controls a lot of people. It's like either you either you is or you ain't. Yeah. He is a yeah, ain't gonna do it. And I and I and I, and I he is gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just realized I said fear paralyzes us. Here I am. words, man. It's all good. You ain't paralyzed though. I'm trying not to like, be, man. Not at all. I, I try not to be. Yeah. In every aspect. You're like the most unparalyzed, paralyzed person I've ever yeah. met. You the most paralyzed. <laughs> um, my friends tell me all the time, like, ain't nothing wrong with Fletch. Just sitting down like, hey, what about the, the dude in disability y'all be hanging with? Who, who got disability? The dude in the woods are, oh, damn, I forgot about Fletch. Like, yeah. they, I try to live in a manner where they forget I have a disability. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bro. I, bro, I forgot today. We were, we were literally pulling through. I'm like, bro, I need to get some food before this interview. Yeah. Let's just go to Chick-fil-A real quick. I'm like, she, pull, she pulls the bag through the window. I'm like, grab it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, my boy, I'm driving with both my I'm hands. like, actually, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm driving, you know, I use the hand controls, right? I'm driving with both my hands. Grab it, Fletch. <laughs> How sacred. <laughs> yeah, bro. But that's something that you do. You make us forget, mm -hmm. which is good. Absolutely. It, which is good, man. It's, it's, and it's your energy, bro. It's the, the fact, like, so if you were just, you know, in a wheelchair, just, just sad, mm -hmm. moping over your life. It's, mm -hmm. it's different. You know, we kind of have to mope and mourn with you. Yeah. But because your energy is so high all the time, bro, you like everybody else. Try to be. Man, <laughs> I just try to fit in, man. I, well, I ain't going to say fit in, man. I just try to be myself. Yeah. Who rock with me, who rock with me, and who don't, who don't. 
Yeah, I love that, man. So I I know you you have some some new ventures that you're getting into. Absolutely. You want to talk about some of the new things that you're going to be doing? Man. Or are you trying I, to do? I don't. I actually do. don't even know. We talked a little bit yeah. about it. Yeah, I acted, man. I, I have conquered the stage of speaking, and I've been trying to transition to acting, and I've been blessed enough to land some roles, really? and I loved it. Yeah, I, I land a, a small guest starring role on the show High Town on Stars Season 3. Check me out. Yeah, and it was fantastic, but it's harder than I thought. I ain't going to say harder than I thought. It's harder than what is people think. So think about it like this. I use this analogy all the time. Think about when black actors first started getting into acting, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, right, we got to start casting black actors. Cat Williams said that we got to wear dresses. They, they, see, they, they made us, they made, nah, he said, Cat Williams said that they, make, they were making us all wear dresses. Yeah, see, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with that, yeah. <laughs> well, no, when, you, when you think about when they first started getting us. Oh, yeah, acting, yeah, yeah. It wasn't good. They were, we were, I'm talking about, yeah, like back in the 30s, 40s, whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah, So, but think about it like this. It was, yeah. we want black actors, but not too black. Like black, like a mm. like a Sinbad black, or like a like a, a Michael Ely black. And I know Wesley Snipes black. He too black. Mm. And that's how I feel with this being a disabled actor. It's like we want somebody in a wheelchair, but not too paralyzed. Like for real. That's how I feel. Yeah, because I get like so. Think the role may say uh, actor in wheelchair, right? Yeah. But people's uh, mental capacity of thinking thinking is always waist down. So it's like, all right, Fletcher, you got the role. So when you come in. Oh, we want you to reach up to the top shelf and grab. Oh, well, I can't. My triceps, I can't do that. Why not? You, you move your arms. You can't. Well, I'm a quadriplegic. Oh, no, we want it. Like, we want somebody paralyzed, but not too paralyzed. You know, you know what I'm saying? Really? Once again, nobody has said this. It's just how I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, wait, have you been put in that position where they said you need to grab something, you can't, and then they, they no, kick no, you off? No, it's like majority auditions, they say, do the audition close up and they say, show your hands. So in the audition, show your hands. And I know when that question comes, they're going to see me and it's going to be yeah. next. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to, you know, I know, you know, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Versus somebody that might also be in a wheelchair, but from be from the waist down, that has full mobility. So they can show their hands and do all type of, you know what I'm saying? But I can't do all this. So it's like. I mean, you can, you just can't clap. It you looks, I tell you, it's very manipulative by, from just the eyesight, bro. I can't do a lot of things you think I can. Yeah, now, I can manipulate certain aspects and yeah, manipulate yeah. my hands to pick up a straw or whatever the case may be. But but they want you to be able to gra not grab. Not necessarily grab, but just something like. Are, are you are you saying that they're worried about how that looks? Like how that looks. Looks also, and just in the the director, they have an idea of what it will be. So, like when I got casted in the Hot Town, right? Mm -hmm. The director, super cool director. Can't think his name on top of my head, but shout out to you, my guy. Um, <laughs> In the, in the thing, in the audition, uh, or in the script, it was like I had to pick up a knife and wave it around, right? Or whatever the case may be. And then I, I kind of manipulated in the audition mm -hmm. to, uh, to, so I could kind of do it one of my kitchen knives. Mm -hmm. But when I get on set, they had a big-ass knife. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, it was too heavy. Like, I can't. pick it up. And so, but they worked around it or whatever, right? And I was like, you know what, they appreciate that. But, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people might have saw that or, you know, be like, you know what, next or whatever. So... I just think, understand that being in a wheelchair does not always mean waist down. So I think, just like in the acting, like we want you to be paralyzed, but not too paralyzed. Mm. So I'm just trying to break that barrier. I'm just trying to be the best actor I can be. You know, I've been taking acting classes and blessed with opportunities to show my acting skills. And I think that's just the next goal I want to accomplish. That's the next mountain I want to climb, a role, so to speak. <laughs> Make sure you add that sound effect. 
<laughs> I got you, bro. Yeah. That's what's up, man. I'm, I'm actually excited for you with that. Thank you, and, man. I mean, I you, got the, you definitely have the personality for it. I try to be a little razzle-dazzle. <laughs> razzle-dazzle. I, I swear, every two seconds during that, that Tulum trip, a little razzle-dazzle. Every, hey, life all about a little razzle-dazzle, baby. <laughs> what, right. How did that even come up, bro? Cat, shout out to Cat Williams. <laughs> That's where I got it from. Shout out to Cat Williams. It, it was in uh, Next Friday. Uh, yeah. oh, you know, I didn't mean to get flooded. I got a little razzle-dazzle. <laughs> and I just started saying it. <laughs> Yeah, it became yeah, shoot. I mean, I I know of it from you more than Cat at this point. Yeah. At this point, that's why I got a little razzle dazzle. So now every time I was like, Flash, where you finna go? You know, a little razzle dazzle. You know. Yeah. What do you think about Cat? Uh, great comedian. Great comedian. Yeah. Great actor. Funny dude. I don't know him personally, so I can't speak on that. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Now he his podcast went crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that episode, yeah, it went crazy. It went crazy. I watched it, you know. Um, but like I said, great comedian, great actor. I don't know him personally, so I can't speak on that. Okay, no, I feel you. What can people expect from you next? One thing people can expect from me next is to always be authentic. I'm always be me, baby. No matter who, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. I'm always be me. I'm gonna conduct myself in the manner that I feel like needs to be conducted in that situation. If we in the meeting, we can talk, like I said, we can talk money, mm. we can talk uh, CEO, we can talk business. We can shoot the breeze. We can talk spades. We can talk jacks. We can talk what you know. what I'm saying yeah. like I'm gonna always be authentic and be true to who I am and just try to be versatile. And you can always expect the next thing. I would say, on top of that, it's you can expect me or you can get. Matter of fact, you can guarantee I will never give up. You can guarantee that. I love that. How can listeners support you and your work? Uh, you can support me by going to FletcherCleaves.com. That's F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R-C-L-E-A-V-E-S.com. And uh, check it out. That's where you can book speaking engagements, book podcast interviews, or just share a lot of my testimonies that you may encounter from my social media. So just support by sharing my story. And also, you can support by just being an advocate. Like, I can't be everywhere all at once, right? So just being an advocate. If you see something that's not accessible, just bring it to somebody's attention. You know, I want to be the beacon of light that be like, hey, I met a speaker, the wheelchair nomad, and he wouldn't like this, right? So just support me by doing that. And also support me by believing in yourself. Mm. Support me by believing in yourself. If listening to this or hearing me speak or watching my TED Talk or whatever the case may be helps you navigate anything you've been going in life, then you've helped me already. Mm. What's one question you wish I would have asked? And how would you have answered it? Mm. One question I wish you would have asked. Man, you a hell of an interviewer. You asked a lot of good questions. One question I wish you would have asked. Oh, I know. <laughs> One question I wish you would have asked. Talking about dating. Dating? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Let's get into that. Let's get into it. How is dating? It's cool. It's cool. It's hard. But it's, I ain't going to say it's hard. It's not hard. Let me say that. It's not hard. It's not hard. Only th- it's harder than what it used to be. But when you were able-bodied, being an athlete, easy work, right? Mm. But now when people see you as a, a wheelchair person, you have to put in more work. You have to make her laugh a little harder. Mm. You have to try a little harder. You go up to her and be like, let me buy you a drink. First thing she sees a guy in a wheelchair, I don't have to take care of him. Mm. First thing she sees, right? Then you make a laugh and then you buy her a drink and then you really, you know, she realized she realized you live by yourself. She realized you drive. She realized that you're a man of God, and she realized you don't have any kids. She realized that you haven't been married. Like all these things that's on her quote unquote checklist, she realized you have a good financial income. 
but the long thing is he's in a wheelchair. You know what? That wheelchair ain't looking so bad, baby. Ah. <laughs> that was your thing. You know what? That wheelchair ain't looking so bad. Hey, yo, I'm going to clip this for you, bro. We're going to make this go viral. Well, send them up. Send them <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a matchmaker. <laughs> I, I hope I get them left and right. <laughs> That's what's up, though. That's I never thought about it like that. Yeah, so, it's, it's a visual. Like, yeah. you know, a woman, like you said, just our human nature. Yeah. Women like to see physically fit men because it means protection. Yeah. Right? So you see a woman sees a 6'5", 260-pound, like immediately, he, he handsome. Like, it's just in our human nature. So when you see a person in a wheelchair, the first thing they think, I'm going to have to take care of him. Then it's like, okay, hold on. He got his own money. Mm-hmm. He driving. He stay by himself. He got his own house. He own his own house. And you say your name what, baby? You know? <laughs> that's, that's how that comes. Like, now you want to talk to me. Or, or like, I ask for numbers. Like, oh, uh, you know what? I really don't want to give my number out. Okay, well, let's just exchange Instagrams. Okay, they exchange Instagram. Four days later, they get to roll through my Instagram. Hey, Fletcher, it's, 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 it's Kim from the bar. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you check that Instagram out, huh? Now you're interested. So what's the hardest part about dating? Uh, hardest part? This is the same thing. Disability is just having to try a little harder. Necessarily hard, it's just different. Just different, okay. You're trying to switch people's perspective, mindset. Like, I am in a wheelchair, but I can be everything you need, baby, if you allow me to be. If you yeah. just take your, that closed mindset of what you thought love was, yeah. And try to experience what love is, and you'll see so many different things. Okay. Have you been in love? Absolutely. I got a tattoo on me nine times. I've been <laughs> in love, out of love, in between love. Yeah. <laughs> I love love. Yeah. So are I have been. Still, in love. Are you still in love? Am I still in love? Uh, no. I have love for that person. Yeah. yeah. I got love. Like, I want to see them succeed. Yeah. But, uh, Certain situations, it's just hard to get over. Mm. So it's like, you know, I, I rock with you. I want to see you win. Am I in love with you? No, I wouldn't say that. Mm, touch yourself back. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's part we won't, of life. We won't, we won't dig deeper into it. Yeah, it's part of life. Yeah, it is part of life. So so who's who's next? What do you mean? Your next love. No. Uh, I ain't trying <laughs> to hold, 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 hold no, the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Well, shoot, I'm 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 glad you're super excited. I'm you're excited for the dating world, mm-hmm. and you you killing it in the dating world. It seems. I mean, you are you just ran me through the whole situation, and it, it mm-hmm. sounds like it's it's working out for you. I'm trying to, bro. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to live life, man. Just as a black man in America with a disability. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but you you living and you living harder than sure. you living harder than most people that I know, man. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get do my thing, bro. Yeah, man. Well, it's it's been great sitting down with you, bro. You're an inspiration to all of us, bro. This has been it's been good, man. Salute. Shout out yeah. to Sacred Thomas Podcast. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, if you had the attention of the world for five minutes, what would you say? If I had the attention of the world for five minutes, what I would say? Set the standard, raise the standard, then uphold the standard. Never strive for the bare minimum. Never strive for the bare minimum. When you strive for the bare minimum, you get piss poor results. Piss poor performance, uh, per, uh, piss poor results, right? Mm-hmm. So set the standard, raise the standard, uphold the standard. Life is meant for the living. When you think you've reached your limit, understand this. How can you say the sky's the limit when there's footprints on the moon? We've heard the saying the sky's the limit, right? The sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Sky's the limit, baby. How can you say the sky is the limit when there's footprints on the moon? 
There are no limitations to what you can achieve. There are no limitations to what you can accomplish. The only limitations are the ones you impose up here. Mm. Those are the only limitations in life. And I would say that in five minutes, though. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, bro. It's been good, brother. Absolutely, my guy. Yeah. Stay dangerous out there. Yeah, stay dangerous. We got to do this again. We out. This is the Sacred Thomas Podcast. Peace.